Hey, Victory family, so glad you're at church today. Hey, this last week as I was praying, I really felt like God said, Paul, take some time to rest and prepare for the Christmas production and for all that I have in store for Victory 2020. And so this weekend, I've asked our Bible college director, Pastor Mark Kresge, to bring the word. I know you're gonna be so blessed by his message, so encouraged. We're so thankful for Mark and what he brings to our ministry here in the Bible College. Get ready for a powerful word, and let's stand to our feet and give a huge honor and welcome to Pastor Mark Kresge. Come on, Victory, how we doing today? Come on. Hey, while you're standing, listen, just continue to put your hands together for Jesus and for Pastor Paul and Ashley. Come on, can we do that? Listen, I, I know that this is, the, um, this is the part where you're supposed to like honor the leader and the pastor and all that kind of stuff. And so sometimes, because this is the moment where you're supposed to do that, I just kind of feel like it takes away from it. Um, but here's what I want you to know, authentically, like in my heart, that I love these pastors. And I know that you do as well, right? Do we love our pastors? And, um, and I'm so grateful for them, because here's why, because they really do model such an authentic love for people and for Jesus, right? If you've been around them, if you've seen them, they're so approachable, they're so loving, so authentic, and, uh, and I love, they talk about their strengths, they talk about their weaknesses, but they lead us very well uh, as a church, and so we should be very grateful uh, as a church family for our pastors. And so one more time, can we just, come on, honor our pastors and just, we love you pastors. He's out at Victory Manford right now uh, with our community and uh, so excited, you know, just for what God is doing in different regions of our city and all over the earth through this ministry. And so we're so grateful for that. So why don't you give a few high fives as you go ahead and take a seat because high fives are what we do in church. Come on. And... Um, you know, there's some of you I know, there's some of you that I don't. And so real quick, as I was starting today, I wanted to show just a quick picture of my family. Um, I've been married for about eight years to this beautiful woman, Natalie Kresge. And uh, this is my little boy, Jude. And uh, we love him so much. He's a little over two years old. I don't know if parents, all parents get this, but when I walk into a room now or into a place, everyone just goes, hey, where's your son? Like, I was like, oh, I'm important too, right? No, yeah, okay. Um, but this is my beautiful family and uh, so grateful for what God has done. Okay, you can take them off the screen because I'll talk about them all day. So, and um, so grateful for that. But uh, I have a word for you today that, that God's really laid in my heart for you. And uh, as I was really praying about just today and about this weekend, I really felt God was stirring me as we move into the Christmas season, as we move into the new year, uh, to really talk about the power of our words today. And uh, how many of you know that you're gonna have family members come in town, some of you are gonna leave town and go back to family, and uh, you're gonna be in close quarters with people, rubbing shoulders, and how many of you know that in those moments, words tend to fly, right? Is it just in my house, anyone else? Okay, you're gonna be honest and vulnerable, great. And so this happens, right? And so it's important for us to understand the power of our words and to understand the weight that our words uh, begin to carry. And so what I'm grateful for is that not only has God given us this beautiful gift of words, but he's also given us a design and a way in which to use them, to understand them in a way that brings blessing uh, and not cursing. And so what I would love to be true of us as a church family, for me, for my family, for all of us collectively, is that we would be a people who are encouraging, that we edify people around us, that when people get around us, uh, they, they really do have a great experience because we are speaking life and speaking love and we're building up and not tearing down. And so, uh, so we're gonna talk about that here today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to two different passages here real quick. Um, we're going to throw it on the screen as well if you need it, but Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Come on, make some noise. Proverbs 18, 21. We get excited about the Bible. 
says this, that the tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Right, that's exciting, right? Who likes to talk? I do. Um, Psalms 19, 14, beautiful passage. It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, here's the reality. The reality is that our words have incredible power. Right, if you haven't noticed this already, that words have the ability uh, to build up, they have the ability to tear down. They have the ability to bring life or bring death. They have the ability to bring blessing or cursing, the ability to wound someone, or the ability to bring healing into the heart of another. Our words have incredible power. So today we're gonna talk about what that looks like. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. The title of this message is The Weight of My Words. The Weight of My Words. Turn to the person next to you, tell them that you have a way with words. Turn to your second choice, tell them you have a way with words. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you, and uh, Lord, I just thank you that hearts were not just offended about the second choice. God, I thank you, uh, Lord, for your grace and for your love, and we just invite you, Holy Spirit, into this place, God, to speak to us, to move. Uh, Father, I thank you that we would be equipped, that we'd be challenged, that we'd have a lot of fun. God, I just pray, Lord, that uh, we would make, uh, you'd make us to look more like you as we leave this place, God, maybe a little bit more than how we walked in. Lord, I pray just for hearts and for families, for marriages, for children. God, I thank you for healing in bodies and in minds and in hearts. And God, I just pray in these next moments that by your spirit, Lord, that you would be strong where I'm weak, that you would speak, uh, Lord, today, Lord, that your word uh, would be anointed, Lord, that it would pierce our hearts, would challenge us and cause us to look more like you, Jesus. And we are so grateful and thankful to know you to find you, to be here today uh, with this family. God, we thank you. We lift up our pastors to you, Lord. We thank you for just their incredible hearts of love and of grace and of mercy, God, of vision and of strength, their giftings, Father. We just thank you, Lord, that they are a gift to us. So we bless them, Father. We thank you for what you're doing even right now in this space and in this place, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Words have power. I don't know about you, I'm a words of affirmation guy. Have you ever taken the five love languages? Is anyone in here? Come on, any fans? Mr. Gary Chapman. Uh, some people are more physical touch. They're more acts of service or quality time. My wife is acts of service and gifts, right? Those are the lowest uh, on my spectrum, and so the Holy Spirit is helping us And uh, in the name of Jesus. And uh, mine is words of affirmation by far. If you're a words of affirmation person in the room, can I hear you? Come on. Yes, you are a words of affirmation. Make sure spouses, singles, it's all good. Know this. Uh, words of affirmation. There's something about words that just really do something to my soul. I love it. I mean, I remember one time for my birthday, our young adults here at the church, they, they pulled together words of affirmation in a book, and they gave it to me for my birthday. It literally, should, I mean, it was just like it was a book full of gold to me. I started reading page after page, and it was just, it was so nice that I'm like, you're lying now. You're at the point where you're lying just to make me feel better, and, uh, but I appreciate those people too at times, right? And um, don't lie. But but I loved it, words of affirmation. On Friday night, AJ Johnson, right, Pastor AJ just sent me a text message just you know, talking about how, what he sees in me and man, the anointing and all those different things and God's purposes and blessing on my life. And I was just so encouraged. It's amazing how some words can change your demeanor, change your attitude, change your entire day. Isn't this true that words have power? Where, where are the single gentlemen at in the room? Can I see your hand if you're single? Keep them nice and high, all right? You're, some of you are excited about being single, and I love that. Yes. So single gentleman in the room, imagine with me for a moment, you're walking down the street, you're walking down the road, and, and here comes the other way, a, a, a beautiful woman, beautiful woman, right? And she says one word to you, hey, right? And in one moment, right, what happens? 
right? The skies open up, right? Colors are more beautiful, right? They're a little bit more vibrant. Food tastes better. The weight of the world just rolls off your shoulders as you just fly off to work, right? Like you are just loving. One word, one moment is so powerful, right? Words have power. I remember when I, you know, or <laughs> get to that in a second, but for me, I, um, when it comes to my hair, right, this is a really vulnerable situation right now. When it comes to my hair, uh, I'm a little particular about my hair. I, I like it styled. I don't like it to move, right? Last week at our Christmas party at Victory, I was voted most likely to use a can of hairspray on my head, right? And I'm proud of that. I was like, that's me. Thank you, Jesus. I stood up and appreciated that. But I, uh, I've always been particular about my hair. It's like since middle school, like I remember like I would go out to play sports, play basketball or play soccer. I'd be going to the gym. I'd be like, guys, hold on a second. I've got to do my hair. Mark, we're going to the gym. Mark, we're going to sweat. Like, Mark, we're, uh, guys, I've got to do my hair. And I would go do my hair. And, and here's what's funny. I pray about lots of different things, and I talk to the Holy Spirit about a lot of different things. And so one day, I asked the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, why is it that I am so particular about my hair? I'm losing some of you right now, right? And so I was like, why am I so particular about this? What is going on in me? And immediately, he'll speak to you about these things. He brought me back to a memory, to a moment when I was in seventh grade. I was in seventh grade, and I was sitting over in the corner of our classroom. The room was full of students, and, and there was a senior in high school whose name was Tony. Everybody say Tony. Tony walked into the room, and he pointed his finger at me, and in front of all of these people, he said, hey, you, bad haircut boy. Yeah, you, and I said, I, and I was like, me, me? And he was like, yeah, you, bad haircut boy. And I was like, what did I do to make him to be such a jerk to me? Like, I don't know. And, and now, now in the 90s, I'm a 90s kid, any 90s kids in the room, right? I, I had a bull haircut, okay? Anybody else have that mushroom bull haircut thing going on? Yeah, that was me, right? And so I, I just thought it was in. I thought that's what we were supposed to do. He points at me and says, but now here's the deal, right? It's funny because Tony and I are actually really good friends today, right? We became good friends by the grace of Jesus Christ that all worked out, and we became friends. It was funny. I text him, right, during this uh, or right before service, and I said, hey, just so you know, I'm actually going to share a story about you today. He said, which one? I said, when you called me bad haircut boy. He said, I just want you to know I apologize for nothing. It made you stronger. And I was like, I, 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 uh, I don't think that it works that way, Tony, but... Um, <laughs> words, words have power, don't they, right? I, I remember, and here's the, the reality of it, right, is that, is that you think back, seventh grade for me was quite a long time ago, right? But here's what's crazy, a sobering thought. It's funny, it's silly, but this is what's sobering, is that one sentence impacted an area of my life for the last 20 years. Isn't that a sobering thought? That one person said one sentence, and it has influenced how I do a piece of my life for 20 years. Words have power. I think that we know that. We know that words have power, right? I mean, some of us, we, step, we have stepped into some incredible opportunities and some great things in our life because of great words that were spoken to us. Right? Some of you just had a mom and a dad or a grandparent, somebody who just called out your greatness. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are more than a conqueror. You are God's mighty champion. Come on, Pastor AJ, right? Like, you are an amazing, incredible person that God is gonna do incredible things through their, your life. You are loved, right? And they just showered you with, like, words of potential and of great words, right? And it's caused you to feel confident about the person that you are, that you walk into great opportunities. You walk into a room and you just feel, I can do all things, right? Because of great words that were spoken over your life and over your heart, 
right? Some of you have walked into a relationship. Some of you asked out somebody into uh, on a date, right? Because you had a group of guy friends, right, that you hang out with who said like, man, you're a stud. Man, you love Jesus. Jesus loves you. Man, you've got great things going for your life. She would be blessed and highly favored to be in a relationship with you. And you're like, you know what? That's right. And you walked over and you asked that girl out on a date. And when she said no, you went back to those friends. And those friends were like, listen, you're gonna fight and dream another day. She missed the will of God for her life. You don't worry about that, brother. It's gonna be okay, right? Like, words are powerful, right? right? Like, some of us, some of us in here, though, our self-perception has been dominated for years of our life by, by wrong and careless words. Somebody, a teacher, a coach, a parent, somebody said fat or stupid or gay, unqualified, Right, in some way, they, they've shaped some way in some piece of your life. They've influenced your life with a sentence and with a word, with wrong and careless words. Some of us have, have really healed up from some physical pains, but not the deep emotional wounds that come from wrong and careless words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's false. <laughs> That's a lie. Words have power. So here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna take a moment. We're gonna go through the book of James, not the, not the whole book, a chapter, uh, chapter three. And as we go through this, James is gonna challenge us this morning and this afternoon. Are you guys okay with being challenged a little bit? I think it's okay to be inspired and encouraged and equipped, but part of that equipping piece for us is being challenged when it comes to our words. And I love James, the brother of Jesus, because this man was bold. This man, he just, he hated duplicity. He wanted consistency in the life of a believer. And so he's going to help us today understand the weight of my words, understand uh, how important and how powerful these words really are. So are you ready to jump into James chapter three? Come on, I got to know you're ready. Are you ready? Come on, let's have some fun. James chapter three, verse one says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who, who, we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. I don't know about you, I've got that underlined and circled and highlighted in my Bible. We all make many mistakes. Um, for if we could control our tongues, then we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a forest on fire. And among all of the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body, and it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Now, I told you, listen, James, he does not pull any punches. He is, he is a very um, consistent and challenging uh, individual. But here's the first thing that James would want us to know and what Scripture would tell us about our words, that if you can control the words of your mouth, then you can control the condition or the direction of your life. If you can control this small piece of your body, it can literally determine where you go and how your life looks. In the same way that a bit steers a, a giant horse, in the same way a rudder can steer a ship, so your tongue can steer your life. It will determine the condition of your life because words have power. I mean, think about it. If you are a great speaker, like you can become a leader of others. If you can put words together in a right sequence, you can make millions of dollars. If you can say the right words, it can get you a date, right? It can build a friendship, it can, it can make a marriage flourish with intimacy, right? It can get you a new job or it can close like a lucrative business deal, like, like words have some power. Your words this week of invitation to a production can change somebody's destiny. 
right? Just stepping out and saying, hey, have you met Jesus? Or hey, do you have a church? Hey, what are you doing for Christmas? Hey, we have a production that we would love for you to come to, right? Shameless plug, right? Because this is what it's about, people's lives being impacted, and you have the power of your words to make that impact on somebody else, right? Words have power. But at the same time, words can crumble a marriage. Words can cost you your career, Right? Words can, can divide the best of friendships. Some of you here in the room have lost friends over one sentence. And here's what he's trying to get us to understand is that this is an important thing for us to grasp. Right? You can, you can speak words of faith and literally talk yourself into your destiny. You can speak words of unbelief and talk yourself out of your destiny. I don't know if you remember this, in, uh, in, the, in the New Testament we see Zachariah and Elizabeth who were to be the parents of John the Baptist, right? Christmas time is coming up and so we see that this story is playing out and, and what you see is, is, um, is John the Baptist's father, Zachariah, is old in age, he's ministering in the temple and this is a man who's wanted a son. This was a family who wanted a baby and that this was the request, this is what they made known to God. Gabriel, I don't know if you remember the story, Gabriel, the angel, shows up in the temple and he begins to speak to this man, Zachariah, and says, hey, listen, Zachariah, the thing you've wanted, the thing that you, you've prayed for, the thing that you've desired, God promises that this time next year there's gonna be a baby in your arms, right? Exciting news, incredible moment, but what does Zachariah do? He responds with unbelief. He responds with words and literally tries to talk himself out of the very promise that God was trying to put into his lap. Right, like he, he was, and so what does God do? Does anyone remember the story? Is that he, he mutes Zachariah for nine months. And sometimes we think, oh, God was punishing him. See, you should have listened to God. You should have done the right thing. And God got in and kind of mutes him and, and punishes him. And some of you are praying for that, you know, for a spouse. But, but, he, but he mutes, right? He mutes Zachariah in this moment. But he doesn't mute him to punish him. He mutes him out of his mercy. Because in his mercy, he was saying, listen, I need this promise to come to pass because this is the man who's gonna make way for Jesus and I don't need your, your words of unbelief talking you out of the destiny that I have for your family. Right? Some of you have a burden, you have a vision, a dream that God's put in your heart. Right? You talk about it at the supper table, you talk about it in your car, you, you tell your roommates and your friends and other people, man, when I get to this point, I'm gonna launch this thing or, or God's put this in your heart. But so often what happens is somewhere along the line we start speaking words of unbelief. If I write a book, like who's really gonna read it? Like I, I, I wanna foster and adopt, I wanna go in that direction, but I just don't know if I'm qualified to do something like that and so I don't think so. I'm a little old now, if I, if I were to step out with a new initiative, I just really feel like I'm gonna look stupid and foolish if that thing fails. And, and our words of unbelief are literally living our lives in so many areas where God is trying to pour blessing and pour promise into our lives. You see, here's what God understood and the reason he muted Zechariah is that my communication determines my destination. My communication in life, your communication in life is literally directing your life and the destination that you end up in. And this is a principle, right? We know this. This is a principle in life that, that does not, it's not a respecter of persons. No matter your age, your demographic, your socioeconomic status, this is a principle that works for everyone, that my communication is literally determining the destination that I am ending up in, and it does not change. Reality does not bend for certain individuals when it comes to this stuff. It's, a, it's like a... Um, a young adult that I, uh, I connected with who was part of our young adult ministry for years and he came up to me one time frantically, right? Comes running up, he's like, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark. I, uh, man, I'm, I'm so sorry, man. He said, man, check this out. He said, man, I, um, I got my girlfriend pregnant, man. I got my girlfriend pregnant and, and, and I didn't mean for this to happen. And I said, okay, um, well, were you sleeping together? And he goes, well, yeah, yeah, we were. You know, I go, 
Okay, well, you, like, you understand the mechanics of all that, right? Like, you understand, you know, how that works. It's like putting flour and eggs and butter in a bowl, mixing it up, putting it in the oven and being like, ah, oh, I didn't want to bake a cake. Like, this isn't what I wanted. I'm like, man, like, there's certain steps that get you to a certain destination. There's certain ways that, that lead to a destination, and your words, your communication is leading you somewhere. Right? We have to understand the mechanics of this. And so because God understands this, he wants us to understand this. And so what James is saying is because words are powerful and because literally words in the way that you can, a bit moves a horse and a rudder moves a ship, your tongue is moving your life. And I want you to not be careless with the words that you are speaking. When I was uh, in fourth grade, I, uh, I, I was a little bit of a pyro, all right? Anybody else? This feels good to get this off my chest, to be honest. Um, I was a little bit of a pyro. Thank you for your honesty in the back. Thank you. And, um, and so I was in fourth grade, and I remember coming into class one day, and my friend Mike, um, by the way, who's Tony's little brother, um, came in and said, hey, man, uh, I've got some matches. What do you want to do with these? I was like, bathroom now. Let's go. And so we went into the bathroom, and like we're just staring at this book of matches. And he's like, okay, now what? And I was like, toilet paper, get it. And so we get it, and we're kind of like just you know, thinking about we're dreaming big in this moment. What do we do? We just want to see flames. And, um, and so we light the book of matches on fire. We get the roll of toilet paper, and just as I'm about to like make my dreams come true, somebody comes into the bathroom, and they go, hey, what are you doing? And they, you know, they put out the fire, and they get me to the principal's office, and Principal sits me down and says, Mark Daniel Kresge. Right, the middle name, right? Mark Daniel Kresge. I cannot believe what you are about to do. Do you understand what you are about to do? Do you understand the gravity of, 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 of the consequences that you could have caused here today? And I was like, I, I don't know. My dreams would have come true. I don't know. Like, it would have been awesome. No, no, no. Mark, you could have burned down an entire building with people in it because of your act of carelessness. And I was like, you're so right, I'm so sorry. I cried, I kind of worked up the tears. I really wasn't sorry, but I, and so then I left and I went home. I was suspended, right? Second day of my suspension, I snuck out of my house. Do you wanna know what I did? I lit some fires in a highly wooded area behind my house, right? Pray for your, for your brother here. Um, so here's the, here's the problem, right? And here's the, the attitude that I carried with something very powerful, something that could give life or bring death. Something that could be used for our benefit, but also something that could knock things down and destroy things. I was careless with something powerful. And here's what he's trying to say. James is trying to say, hey, this is a really powerful thing in your life, so, so don't be careless. Be strategic, be intentional, be mindful about the words that you're speaking on a daily basis because they're impacting your marriage, they're impacting your family, they're impacting your business, they're impacting your friendships or lack of friendships. They're impacting your life and maybe you don't even realize it or know it. He goes on to say in verse seven, he says, people can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. In its restless and evil, it is full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and our Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And so I love what James does here is he kind of pulls us into a little bit of a tension that we all feel when it comes to our words. It's really frustrating. When you're the person who tries to tame your tongue, it is really frustrating. He goes, here's an example. Look at all the earth and look at all of the animals that we have tamed. I mean, I mean, look at every, these crazy predators, right, of bears and of lions and of, of killer whales and all these different things. We've tamed them all, right? We've got Shamu doing shows for our kids in SeaWorld. We've got bears on bikes. We've got, we've got lions in the circus. Like, we've tamed all of these reptiles and beasts and predators, but we still can't keep our mouth closed, and he's saying that this is the problem, and it's so frustrating for us, isn't it? 
He's saying it's really difficult, right, because it's really difficult, like, not even to be negative, not to complain. Have you ever tried for 24 hours not to complain once or be negative once? Got one amen, right? I'm, I'm trying it right now, and it's really, really hard. Like, it is a very, like, I'm complaining right now. Like, this is, it, it, is, it is a difficult thing, right, to not be negative and to not complain, right? And, and, I, and I talk to people, right? I'm, so I'm from Pennsylvania, I moved here, right, and I just, I, and I've been here for like 11 years now, and I hear everyone go, man, Oklahoma, man, it is just, whew, summers, man, they're hot, they're hot, man, I can't wait for the winter, Christmas time, it's gonna be beautiful, it's gonna be great, and then we get into the winter time, like, man, I just wish I can go to the pool again, and man, it is just so cold here in Oklahoma, right? And we're getting like 50 degree day, days right now in December, and I'm like, and still people are like, I wish Oklahoma would make up its mind, I'm like, all right, you know, like, or appreciate it, right? And so we complain, right? Negativity, it just seems to be like the language of our culture, and it so easily flows in our life, right? And so I find this, right? I find, like, single people are like, I just want to be married, and then I talk to married people. I just want to be single, you know, like, they just, there's this, like, back and forth, and he's saying that, like, this is a frustrating thing. We can tame all these things, but it's really hard to keep our mouths closed. It's really hard to not say negative and wrong things, and it's not, and it's really hard to not say harsh things, and he uses an example, he says, out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, right? Like we can come into a moment like this in a place and we begin to worship and lift up God's name and we say that we love you and our lives belong to you and we mean it with all of our hearts. We say, Jesus, we love you. And then we get into the car and on the way to lunch, we're going to Arby's or Applebee's or wherever Pastor Paul usually says for us and, uh, we know, and we're on our way to those places and we start talking about you know, a, a leader, start talking about a roommate, start gossiping and slandering and maybe lying. Maybe just being a little negative and complaining about that individual, right? And he's saying, surely this isn't right, brothers and sisters, that we could be the person who says, Jesus, I love you with all of my heart, and then gets into the car and speaks harshly to his wife. To be the person who says, Jesus, I love you with all of I have, and I mean it with all of my heart, and then gets into the car, and the woman who speaks harshly to her children, right? Like, he's saying, surely this isn't right. Both blessing and cursings are coming out of the same place, and this is not a right thing. And, and here's what I'm gonna say. We're in this together, right? I, I, I totally understand this. I, I am in this place. As I've been studying this and going through this, I'm kind of like throwing my hands up, and I'm like, God, like, I'm so bad at this. Like, I, I, I love Jesus. I preach the gospel. I'm a worshiper in my heart, but there are moments and there are times when I speak harshly to my wife. There are moments when I speak harshly to people in my life, and I, and I don't mean to. I pour out negativity and complaining, and I'm going, God, how can I fix this? Like, have you ever been the person where you get into an argument with a roommate or a friend or even a stranger, a spouse, and you say something, and then you, you walk into the other room and you go, where did that come from? Like, what in the world? Like, why did I just say, why did I just lose my stuff in front of my kid like that? Like, what in the world is wrong with me? Okay, Mark, get it together. Don't do it again. Father, that I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry for this. And I go back and go, sweetie, I'm, I'm not gonna do this again. I'm really sorry. I, I, I shouldn't have blown up like that. I shouldn't have just went into a rage like that. I don't know where that came from. And I'm sorry, I won't do it anymore for like a day, right? <laughs> and then it comes back again, right? Like, isn't, what's wrong with us? And I think that's what James is trying to say. Like, what is wrong with us at a human level that we can't tame the tongue like we can tame everything else? And here's what he's gonna say in the verse, next verse. He's gonna give us an answer. Are you ready? No, you're not. Okay, all right, are you ready? Verse 11. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. 
perfect sense, right? <laughs> and so it's like, it's, a, it's so funny because James, he reads this in this moment, right? And it's like, and here's what I love. In the, in the text here, it actually kind of transitions and he begins to talking about after this verse, an entirely different topic. So it's like James brings up all this tension, talks about how we can't do anything with the tongue and we really understand the weight of our words and all these other things. And then he goes, um, you know, can, can, a, can a fig tree produce olives? No. Can you bring fresh water off a salty spring? No. I get frustrated. I'm like, where is the practical application, right, to this passage, right? And so what is James getting at here in this moment? Are you ready for it? Here's what he's trying to say. A transformed heart results in transformed words. See, James is trying to get to something way deeper than your words. James is trying to get to something way deeper than the things that are coming out of your mouth, whether they're complaining or good, positive or negative. He's trying to get something deeper in the moment. He's trying to show us that the words of our mouth is symptomatic of the condition of our heart. There's something deep here. There's something going on. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15. Don't you understand yet, Jesus asked? Anything that you eat passes through the stomach and then it goes into the sewer. But the words that you speak, they come from the heart. That's what defiles you, that from the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery, sexual immorality, theft and lying and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Oh, so my words and my actions are, are not just my words and my actions, they're coming from a deeper place. So my words and my actions are not a root, they're a fruit. They're, they're an outcome of something deeper that's happening on the inside of me. Jesus would say, absolutely. Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, good people have good things in their hearts, and so they say good things, but evil people have evil in their hearts, and so they say evil things. And I tell you that on judgment day, people will be responsible for every careless thing that they have said. So the message of Jesus is not just watch your mouth, it's watch your heart. It's not just be disciplined in your speaking and speak positively, that's a part of it. Be disciplined, express faith, understand these things. But he's saying that you can't do that without understanding that something deeper is happening at a heart level in you. So you've gotta watch your heart. So the question for us here today, Victory, is how's your heart doing? Like when the pressures of life begin to squeeze in and you're trying to budget things for Christmas and, and handle all the kids or when you're trying to figure out how you're gonna pay tuition or you're trying to figure out how to work this, this real tension out with an ex and, and all this stuff is happening in your life, what, what squeezes out of your mouth? Is it anger? Because here's what I love, this is a gift, whether we realize it or not, because we're not left to wonder how our heart is doing. If I have angry words pouring out of my mouth, it means I have an angry heart. If I just crush people with my words, and I dominate people with my words when I feel rejected or insecure, when I, when I just respond in that way, it means I've got an angry heart. Something is going on in my heart at a, at a deep level, right? Or maybe I'm passive aggressive in my anger because I, I don't wanna just kinda come out and, and I have a little bit of fear, man, and I don't wanna just come out and, and crush somebody, so, so what I'm gonna do is kinda like step back and I'm just not gonna enter into someone else's celebration. Like, like, have you ever heard something like this where they go, oh man, I just graduated with honors and I'm so excited, it's amazing. And you go, you know, that's awesome, but I wish you graduated with a degree that would get you a job. Like, that would have been maybe a little bit better. And a passive aggressive, right, I'm not gonna step into this celebration with you. That's an angry heart. Maybe you have a jealous heart. You know, maybe it's the, it's the person who just says, you know, I, I can't celebrate other people. I, I can't wait for you to get done talking so I can one-up you right now. Oh, you had tickets to the game, me too, sideline. Like, like, right, like that's a jealous heart. 
right? Do you have to give your resume out to everyone around you because you feel so insecure about who you are as a person? And so what Jesus and James are trying to show us here is that this is a deeper work. Maybe there's bitterness going on on the inside of you and it's manifesting through your words. Your words are just telling on you and on your heart. And so how's your heart doing? And typically our negative words in life are gonna come out in two ways. They're gonna be boastful, how great I am, or they're gonna be hateful, I need to cut you down. And it's all for the same reason. I don't feel okay about who I am. I don't feel okay about who I am. My last point for you is this. Your identity drives your heart and your heart drives your mouth. It's your identity that drives your heart and it's your heart that drives your mouth. So really the issue for us isn't necessarily misaligned words, it's misaligned identity. Is that for some of us here in the room, we, we, we alluded to it earlier that there may have been someone who spoke something careless and wrong and, and literally evil into your life. And they said things about you that just simply are not true. They put something on you or something that you believe that you really sank your identity into. And because they called you this or because they said this or because they never said you were loved or because they neglected you in some way, you, you latched your identity around that pain. And your identity is built in, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, I'm not enough, I can't be accepted. And as a result of it, that bitterness, that anger, that, that, that hurt and that pain, it doesn't, it, feelings buried alive never die. And so all of that stuff inside the heart, the thing that you've attached yourself to, it is finding a way to manifest in your relationships through your words. The pain and the struggle and what you believe about yourself is literally finding a way out. The words are not necessarily misaligned as much as your identity is. Your identity is driving the heart and your heart is driving your words, right? So for some of us, it's that way. For some of us, it's a little different. We're trying to find our identity based off of what we do. Right? If my identity is in the fact that I'm, a, I'm the best pastor, or I'm the best speaker, or I'm the best father, or I'm the best husband, or you're the best wife, or you're the best entrepreneur in the room, right? then the moment that someone else comes along who might be a little bit better than you, when you feel threatened because they are threatening your position and your identity. So you feel like I've gotta cut you down because I'm not okay about me. And so when you feel dethroned in your identity, which is your sense, sense of, of self and definition, right, you feel like I've got to attack that thing that is coming after my own identity, right? And so often we find ourselves in this place and, and we feel dethroned and as a result, we, we come out with negative words. And most of the time they are hateful or they are boastful or they are both. And he's saying that this is surely not the way to be. Man, Chris at work, man, he's crushing it. Did you see his numbers? Man, they're amazing. I just can't believe this guy, new guy, he's really doing an amazing thing. Ah, you know, though, let's just give it some time. I've seen this guy, he goes through some cycles. I think he's doing some shady stuff on the side. We'll see, we'll see about this guy. Have you seen Jennifer? Have you seen Jennifer with her kids? It's so amazing. The way that she, she parents, the way that she mothers her kids, it's really just something so beautiful to see. I, I, I love it so much. Well, she better be a good mom. She doesn't have to work like the rest of us. Can we just talk about the real conversations that are happening? Right, and, and our words are, are, are pouring out of us, but, but notice that your words are not, are, are not just isolated. Your words are coming out of a place of identity and, and misaligned and wrong identity. And this is where the gospel saves us. The gospel of Jesus Christ comes in and he says, listen, you are broken, you are misaligned, you have all of these issues going on. You are born in your sin. You are born in a way where you can't make it to heaven on your own. That's true. But Jesus steps onto the scene and he says, but I live for you, I died for you. I rose again so that you could have a relationship with me. And I wanna give you a brand new identity. 
See, Jesus doesn't just come after your behavior. He comes after your identity. And he doesn't just come after your identity, but he gives you a brand new one. And so here's where the words really begin to shift and change for us in our life. It's when I, it's when I begin to really express faith and understand who I really am in Jesus. That I am fully loved, that I am fully accepted, that I am fully his, that I am a child of God, and nothing can dethrone me from that place. And, and to the greater that I understand my identity in Christ is to the degree that I will walk in security in my life. And so, and so a new guy can come onto the scene or, or this mom can come around or that entrepreneur can, can do great and I can just celebrate them all day because I understand my identity is not wrapped up in that thing. My identity is wrapped up in the fact that I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm fully loved right now in Christ. Like he doesn't love a future version of me. He loves me right here fully and I am complete in Christ. Come on, that will liberate you in your life and in your heart. And this is a journey that God wants to bring you on. It's a journey that God wants to bring us on, that the gospel can save us from this stuff. This has been such a journey and a walk for me in my own walk with Christ. This, this last 11 years as I've come to him, I, you know, I, I came here from Pennsylvania to go to Victory College and I knew I needed to change, a, a shift in my life and in my heart and my thinking and my paradigm. I just needed something new. And what an amazing work God did in me those two years. I mean, the word just washed over me and it just changed so many dynamics of my life. And after that, I ended up getting married. Natalie and I, we got married, met here at the college and in the church. And we went off and got married in 2011, came here in the church. And, and um, about two years into our marriage, though, I remember, um, you know, I, up to that point, I had been just, I had a filthy mouth even before I got, before I got saved. I just... You know, I would cuss and I would just was, it was dominant with my words. I was sarcastic. I would cut people. If you made me feel rejected or insecure in any way, I would just come at you. And I would just make you, to, I, would, I would try to make you think I will never do that again to Mark because I was so insecure in who I was, but, but it always expressed itself in anger. I, I was so wrapped up in my identity with careless words or, or thought, man, I have to be the best athlete or I have to have the nicest hair, whatever it may be, right? Um, it's kind of funny, but not. And um, and so I'm, I'm struggling with this for like years, right? And so like Victory College was huge. The word is helping me. Two years into our marriage though, I'm, I'm sitting and, and you know, we just would get into arguments and fights and you know, you don't even remember what you argued about. Is that true for everyone else? You know, you're like, what were we arguing about that was like made us cry and, and say insane things? Oh, I don't, yeah. It was about someone left the light on. Okay. And so, um, and so I'm sitting there in this moment. We're in the car and we're, and just, I'm just pouring out poison just out of my mouth. Words that are just harsh and hurtful and wrong. And I remember in that moment, she, you know, because I've always been this kind of like quick wit kind of person, and I just was good with my words. And um, I remember she turned to me, and just with tears in her eyes, it was just like she just felt helpless. And she just said, Mark, you are hurting me. And I, um, and I just remember that moment like it was yesterday. And I just remember there was this moment where my heart just sank in my chest. And I thought, oh my goodness. My words are literally just killing intimacy in my marriage right now. And I made a decision that day. I made a decision. Not like, uh, oh, I'll just do better tomorrow, honey. I just made a decision. I said, I, I said I was sorry, and then I just got away, and I said, Lord, like, I need you to fix something in me because I'm realizing this isn't just words. Like, there's something in my heart that is extremely wrong, and it keeps coming out in certain words, but there's something wrong in me, and I just need you to fix that. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that is. I, I do not want to be the, the husband who wins all the fights but loses my wife. I do not want to be that man. And so I just begin to pray. I just begin to ask. I begin to seek counsel. I begin to seek help. And I begin to find that this is a reality. 
that, that there were just some things that I was attaching my identity to. There were some insecurities and some things in my life that were faulty and shaky. And every time I felt rejected, every time there was a moment where I felt like I would look insecure or stupid or foolish, I lashed out in anger because I was so insecure. I felt like I was being dethroned for my identity because I really didn't embrace the identity that Jesus came to give me and I was a Christian. You can have an identity in Christ, brand new identity, but you can ignore it as a believer. And that's what I was doing. I was ignoring the very identity that I am fully loved, I am fully accepted, I am fully his. I, 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 am, I, am, I am complete in Christ. All of the things that the Bible says about me is true that I'm a co-heir with Christ, I'm in him and he is in me. There is joy, there is peace, there is everlasting life that is found in this relationship. And so I went on a journey and I've been on a journey for the last six and a half years. And listen, I am not where I wanna be, but I am not where I was. And I have been on a journey. Yeah, praise God. And, I, and this is a journey that I'm encouraging you to take with me. This is a journey I'm encouraging you to take, that you would begin to step out in words of faith and say, Holy Spirit, are there areas, are there places where I have placed my identity in a misalignment, in the things that I do, in words that were spoken over me that are not true and have nothing to do with my life, but they've influenced a piece of my life for years. Holy Spirit, would you reveal those things? Would you remove those things? And for the last six and a half years, I am, I am, I am ferociously committed to sinking my mind and my affections and my heart on who I am in Christ. That every day, Lord, let the, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Like, I, I wanna get into that place where I understand who I am. And here's the reality. You've gotta let the water of the word wash over your mind and heart every single day. That when you wake up in the morning, that when you go to bed at night, the music that you listen to, getting into the presence of God and just letting him meet you in that place and remind you who you are. The Holy Spirit, your heavenly Father, wants to meet you whenever you'll make yourself available. Whenever you will draw near, he will draw near to you and he will bring himself with him. His presence and his grace and his mercy and his truth and his love and his revelation and he'll begin to show you some things about yourself, the real you, who he calls you to be, who he says that you are. And I promise you this, as you begin to live in that, you begin to live out of that, it shifts your identity and that identity begins to, to heal and to change your heart and as your heart is shifted and changed and built up, your words begin to change in life. This is the way that it works. And this is what the Bible tells us. So as you go ahead and stand to your feet, I wanna read a passage of scripture over you just real quick and then we're gonna pray, is that all right? Psalms chapter 19, verse 14. May the words of my heart, meditation of my heart, may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What would it look like, church? What would it look like for us as a, as a family, as a, as a church body? to be the people who would say, you know what, I've misaligned identity, my words have been toxic and poisonous, my, my words have been in a way where I cannot tame the tongue, but, but if I put this into practice, if I really begin to mix this with some faith, what would this do for your marriage? Like, what would this do for your roommate situation, right? Because we just know there's drama there, right? What would this do for you and your son and your daughter? What would this do for your coworkers and your, your workplace? to be the person who constantly walks around celebrating others, loving on others, building others up, encouraging others because you feel so secure in who God has made you to be. Because you are so aware of who he says that you are, that you live out of a revelation of freedom, security, and the love of Jesus for your life.
I think it can change the world. I think it can change your family. I think it can make radical difference wherever we go as the kingdom of God. You received that this morning? Their heads bowed and our eyes closed for a moment. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to this moment. So Holy Spirit, we ask you, speak to us now. Lead us right now in this moment, Holy Spirit. Sift through our hearts, God. Reveal insecurities, God. Reveal where we've missed it. Reveal, Lord, where we need to put faith in the identity that you've given us. Father, I pray that you would bind up the wounds of our hearts. Across this room, there are moms and dads, there are children, there are uncles and aunts, there are, there are people, Lord, whose hearts have been broken for years. And we need you. We need your love and your grace and your mercy. We need your touch. We need you to fix what we cannot fix. We need you to do what we cannot do. And so we call on you. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to give us a humility and a grace to come close and to find our healing. We ask you for the humility and the grace to repent. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in this room and you're saying, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I need new identity. This is where it all starts. You, you, you really can't fix the fruit of your life until you take care of the root of your life. And the Bible tells us that each of us are born into sin, separated from God, that we, we are not deserving of heaven or deserving of Jesus. But, but even though he loved us, and when we were enemies of God, he sent his son lived a perfect life we could not live, died a death on a cross. He was murdered by his own creation on a cross, gave his life for us. And the Bible says that on that cross that the wrath of God was poured out on him for our sin, that he became a curse on that cross for you and I. And the Bible says that by faith in a moment where you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And this is something you cannot work for it's not something that you can be religious enough for. It is a free gift for you. And the Bible says you freely receive what God is giving to you. So if that's you today and you're just saying, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want a fresh start in a relationship with God, a brand new identity. If that's you, just boldly slip up your hand right where you are, right where you are. So I know who I'm praying with. Yeah, thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? You're saying, this is my moment. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you up there. Thank you. Some of us here in the room today, we're saying that my words, I recognize that there's a word problem in my life because there's a heart problem in my life. I've recognized that there's some things in my heart that I need God to fix. I need God to rearrange. I need God to touch so that I can begin to speak words of life and words of wisdom and words of building up around me. And, and today I wanna make a decision, maybe like I made a decision in a, in a Walgreens parking lot, that today is the day that I'm gonna change. And I'm not gonna change by my own efforts, but I'm gonna change by surrendering this area of my life to Jesus. And that's you, just slip up your hand boldly right where you are. You're just saying, I wanna change in this area of my life. Wow, yeah, so many of us. Wow, thank you, thank you. Last but not least, I just, I'm, there's a special group that's just been on my heart and 
You've just been wounded by words. You were talked down to. Some of you were in a, a toxic marriage and relationship and you were just talked down to for years. Some of you as a child, things were said about you and to you that, that, that no person should hear. And there's been some things in your heart that you need healing from. It's kept you from opportunities. It's kept you from believing that you're even worthy of love. And today the Holy Spirit has you on his mind. He said, I wanna to touch those broken areas. I wanna bind up those wounds. I wanna be a father to the fatherless. And I wanna love you well today. If that's you, I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm just gonna ask you to come down to the front. And if you lifted your hand on any of those invitations, would you just go ahead, would you meet me right here at this altar just for the next few moments? Come on, Victory, can we give it up for them as they come down? You're saying, this is my moment of change. Come on, I've been speaking some words. I've been saying some things. I, I need to make a shift in my life right now, right here. Come on, come on, Victory, let's give it up for them. Come on, come on, we're cheering you on. We're encouraging you right here in this moment. God is doing something special and unique right now in this moment. Come on, it's a holy moment in Jesus' name. Come on, Victory, keep giving it up for them. Come on, we wanna encourage you. This is an awesome moment for you. Come on, this is where new beginnings begin. In Jesus' name, come on. Now they're still coming, they're still coming. Come on, don't stop clapping for them. Come on, we're gonna encourage them. They're still coming down, come on. Come on, in Jesus' name, yes. Come on, new identity. Come on, new beginnings. Come on, a fresh start in Jesus' name. Fresh start. I wanna encourage uh, and invite our altar workers and our small group leaders and our Victory College students. Come on down here and just begin to pray and stand behind someone, encourage someone here. Come on, we're gonna pray this together say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm all yours. I believe you died for me and that you rose again so that I could have relationship with you. Take my life, Jesus. I repent of my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, bring alignment to my identity. Bring alignment to my words. Bring healing to my heart. I surrender them to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, for your grace. Help me to turn around and to do the same for others, to encourage, to build up, to speak life in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen, amen.